This episode of Bushwick Breakaway is brought to you by you. That's right. Stay at home. Be part of your community. Help everyone out. Flatten the curve. All those things. All right. That's enough virus for now. Uh, but I, well, speaking of virus, I'll be doing a 19-hour COVID-19 stream on Saturday to support New York City Food Bank. So if you want to hang out with that, it's going to be at twitch.com slash Mead. I'll be streaming for 19 hours. At one point, I'll be streaming some card games, and I'll be doing some uh, NHL 20 for the first time ever. And then, of course, uh, I'll be trying to get a hat trick with Capo Caco. Uh, we'll also have some guests do a little bit of uh, NYR Q&A, and then I'll play some games with some viewers. Who knows, maybe we can raise some cash to do some good during this weird, weird time that we're living through. So, interesting show today, big-time mailbag, a lot of five-star questions, and we have our friend Drew Way on, who absolutely kills it with a bunch of prospect analysis and legitimate New York Ranger info. So, here we go, here's Mark Messier. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of The Athletic. And I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, also The Athletic. Greg, say hello. It's snowing. It's snowing where you like are? It. Yeah, it's fucking snowing. It's wow. fucking miserable. It's 60 degrees in Philly. Oh, it must be nice. Philly's a shithole, though, it's so a... joke's on you. I can't tell. I'm uh, in my living room, and I've been here for two weeks. Uh, our weekly Ranger Met comparison, because this is what we're doing now. Mm. Uh, life, mm-hmm. life as we know it has become just dark well i guess snowy cold <laughs> lonely miserable rainy just terrible i went outside today just to start my car to cool. see if it still worked oh, uh, that was nice i know i think it's good i don't know i don't care good whatever voice. life's terrible don't need to drive anywhere anyway i've been home for four or five straight days i don't know the meaning of the words anymore anyway uh was thinking about it and last week i said what was it i said um I compared someone to Edgardo Alfonso. I don't remember who now. Uh, Anywho. Good. good. Oh, Adam, Adam Fox. Adam, it was Adam Fox. It was. Uh, so this week, I have this picture of Todd Pratt in my bedroom from when he hit a walk-off home run in game four of the NLDS in 1999 against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Matt, by the way, Matt Manti was pitching. It's uh, one of the – look, go listen to it. It was back, way back when, when ESPN had playoff games. Yeah. So Chris Berman was on the call. And it was the moment when everyone thought Steve Finley robbed Todd Pratt of the home run. And Steve Finley took like five seconds to look into his glove to see that the ball wasn't there. It's one of the most hilarious walk-off calls ever just because it's Berman and he's confused and he doesn't know what's happening and it's baseball and it's great. So I was thinking to myself, all right, who in Rangers history actually reminds me perfectly of Todd Pratt? Ryan, I got one for you. Hit me. Steve Valaket. Whoa! Here's, here's why I think they work perfectly. Stevie Y. They're, they're both Stevie V. Stevie v. I'm pretty sure Valaket is Stevie <laughs> I, y. I immediately corrected myself, and I was like, I'm an idiot. That is true. Yeah, Stevie, Stevie Y is a guy. Oh, wow, voice crack. Look at that. Going backwards in age. Quarantine is quarantine. dope, man. I'm having a great time. Uh, look, they were both backups to the, like the best of the franchise, right? Todd Pratt to Mike Piazza, Steve Valaket to Henrik Lundqvist. At the same time, no Met fan has a negative opinion of Todd Pratt because he was just this emotional spark plug during a time when it was really fun to be a Met fan. And Steve Valaket has just become this really popular. He was really popular as a Ranger backup because everyone's like, yeah, it's fucking Steve Valaket. And now he's had this second life as the MSG lead analyst. 
And he's just become so popular in the fan base that I think both Todd Pratt and Steve Valaket have insanely high Q ratings. Valley is a monster on MSG. He does a great job. First of all, he's so damn likable. Second of all, he's incredibly knowledgeable. You could flip those if you'd like. Um, we should probably try and get, speaking of a guest we're trying to get on, we should probably try and get Valaket on in the next couple of weeks if he's uh, available. He has some time. Well, you want to talk about? You want to talk about why Tony D'Angelo and Ryan Strom are not on today's well, podcast? Well, yes, we can talk about that. Uh, as some of you may have seen, we have been chirping or at Tony D'Angelo and Ryan Strom this morning. I uh, saw Tony's calendar and saw he was free. He responded, said, "Let's do it." Tagged Ryan Strom and said, "I'm free." Uh, we have not heard from them yet, as as of 3:55 p.m. on a Monday afternoon. So we well, are. And to be fair, to be, to be fair, it's not like we're. Pro- they're doing this to themselves. We're not. Right? We're, They're basically making promises that they can't keep. I, I, I don't know what you know. Maybe Rangers PR was like, "Hey, don't do that." We've we've dealt with that before. That Ryan guy, he wears weird costumes sometimes. So uh, yes, uh, maybe they'll be on soon. Maybe they won't. But we are trying. If you're wondering uh, if, if we are keeping it from you, we are not. Trust me. We are not. And as soon as we have tr- it, trust have both it. of us. And yeah, trust both of us. We have a lot of free time. Yes. There is nothing going on. Because of this damn coronavirus. Speaking of which, I want to do two quick segments. Uh, one's a plug. Oh, one's a plug, and one's a segment. Uh, this Saturday, I'm going to be doing a live stream to raise money for New York City food banks for 19 hours for a COVID-19 live stream, and I'll be streaming on Twitch from uh, 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. And Greg, you're going to stop by, I think. Hopefully, that uh, is that is the plan. I thought we're going to be calling some. Uh, Range of simulated games. Uh, poss- what we're doing? Possibly, if I can make it happen, so we are synced up TV wise. We will talk about that afterwards. If not, we'll be doing. Oh, uh, that that would be that would be hard. That's correct. So uh, the, I have I have an idea to fix that, but it won't be during the live stream. Um, we will be doing a, a, a sort of a, not a live podcast, but I'll be taking calls and stuff like that from three to six. So hopefully, you could join me and we'll hang out and talk to some people. Um, uh, and yes, uh, the other the other segment uh, I would like to talk about is. Things you learned in quarantine. This week, I made a peanut butter and hot red pepper jelly sandwich, and it was delicious. Oh, God. What the fuck is your problem? It was good. It was really good. I had no other jelly, and I can't go to the grocery store. Uh, I mean, I can, but it's really not worth the hassle when you still have some other stuff. I tried hot pepper jelly. A great time. The other thing I learned, Gregory, is my belly button is not only rather deep, but it is a lint. What the fuck? <laughs> it's a lint collector. Extraordinary. Why are you ex- talking about extraordinary? This? I just have some stuff I've realized during quarantine. I'm going a little crazy myself. Okay. Oh my god. And I realized that I collect a lot of lint, like during the day, like an extreme amount of lint. Okay. So I started putting it into. Please a, change the subject. I started putting it into a jar so I could see how long. What is I your could problem? Keep it going. <laughs> I don't want to do this podcast anymore. I'm done. I'm fucking done. I want to see how much lint I can out. get before the quarantine's over. So there you go. You you are disturbed. You're just I, uh, I'm without words. I literally <laughs> am without words. That is the most disgusting. I'm trying to give thing I could ever the think people of. the content they Nobody want. Nobody wants that, Ryan. <laughs> there isn't a single person in the world that wants specifically that. I just but no one is no one is sitting around being like, man. If only there was more time in the day for me to get updates on Ryan's belly button jar, then I'd be just so much happier with of, my life. Well, I only, got, go, only got a couple lumps in there for right now, but you're definitely going to be a You are a sick, disturbed man. <laughs> that, you are embarrassing. Quarantine's been weird. Oh, anyway, God. yeah, so we're raising money on Saturday. It's not by think this is quarantine related. I think you would have done this eventually anyway. You think this would happen no matter what? 
Yeah, I, I think we'd be sitting on a podcast July 15th, two weeks after what should have been free agency signing day when the Rangers have officially not done anything. <laughs> Whatever they're going to do, they've right, already nothing. done it. Yeah. And he would like, Greg, I've been fucking collecting belly button lint for the last two weeks. You want to know how much I have? I have exactly 3.6 cubic volumes of lint. It's for science. I just I just generate a lot of lint. And, and during this quarantine, when all my clothes are gone, I can make a shirt out of it. God. You're like, oh, my God. You know what would be great? What's if that? the guy who calls himself a scientist on Love is Blind is like this kind of scientist. Where it's like, That's I wonder so- how much lint people collect in their belly buttons. I'm going to study that and just call myself a scientist. I've only watched the first two episodes of Love is Blind, but it was a, tr- a tremendous viewing. But yes, uh, I, I will be doing that. So if you want to let, let me know if you want more lit updates. No, I fucking don't. What have, you, uh, what have you learned in quarantine, Gregory? That you're a, more sick and twisted than I ever thought you were. That's, uh, we haven't even begun to peak. Boy, I should have learned something. And I really, really haven't. Uh, man, it's, it's just been... I'm rewatching Brooklyn Nine-Nine from the beginning, and I'm already like halfway through season two. Um, it's it's a tough call. I did get NHL 20 finally. I've been putting it off literally all year. I uh, did an expansion draft as the once newly recreated Hartford Whalers because got a rep for Connecticut. Um, just a, doing an expansion draft before the 2019-2020 season started knowing what we know now makes it all the more just odd. The players that were available. Like I got Brett Burns. He was up there going to regret that. Cause he's under contract for seven more years. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big, big, long Brett Burns contract. The Sharks uh, would be happy to give you that. Love, love that. Uh, the wild exposed Jared Spurgeon. Everyone would be happy to know that I just couldn't, I couldn't, the Rangers exposed the recently acquired Jacob Truba. And while I wanted to take him, I was like, no, I got to let the Rangers be good. So I took Lieber Hayek instead. Be good. Um, and, now every, and now everybody wants Lieber Hayek because he's a top defensive prospect and life is weird. I like that we have the, no the, 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 the computer Rangers were like, yeah, we'll expose Truba. That's good. Well, I th- I, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's like they know something. It is uh, like they know something. I'm probably going to get bored and do another one. Um, even though the Hartford Whalers did sign Artemi Panarin as a free agent. Uh, Congratulations, by the way. Our number one center was Joe Thornton until he had post-concussion, uh, basically post-concussion syndromes, which knocked him out for the entire season. So my number one center right now is Larry Brooks's favorite, Josh Anderson, who isn't a center. Oh and life, life is, it's not been great for the Hartford Whalers. So- we have fallen off a cliff. So for those that are still listening somehow through uh, Lint and Simulations, um, we actually have a great conversation coming up with our friend Drew Way uh, that is incredibly Rangers-related and a lot of great content. But before we get to that, uh, do we oh, we want to get any other topics here before we do five-star questions? Uh, like 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 what, Ryan? No, I... Uh, no, I, I got, shockingly, is there, is there a more shocking coronavirus-related story on this day, March 23rd, 2020, mm-hmm. then we are still yet to know if a New York Met has tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, more shocking. I feel like I can't be shocked anymore. I thought I was done being shocked and that I continued to be shocked. I feel like it's, I feel like we've hit that peak now with the, with the quarantine. I, what, what would have, the, what odds would you have, what would you have thought if I said two 
baseball players from both the New York professional baseball oh, organization. Mets would have been ten to one, easy, easy. No, they would have been one to ten. Like you would have had to give up so much oh, money. Oh, that's correct. That's what I meant. Sorry. Right. Yeah, the, the Mets would have been like minus two thousand, and instead it's the Yankees who have two positive tests, and us Mets are just like. Life's good, baby. Maybe, Jeff McNeil and maybe the Mets are being good people, and the tests aren't going to them because they're healthy. So I know that sounds strange too, but if we think if if there's a reason why the Mets haven't been tested, right? I know the reason. Because reasons. who the owners are. I know, the and reasons. they're cheap shit. All they're right, not, they're not paying for that shit. No, they're not. Let's uh let's do some five star questions, and then we'll go to our good friend uh, Drusive Way, and we'll we'll talk all things prospects, including Niels Lundqvist. Miller, uh, the, the the tournament, and some other things. Pretty great interview with Drew. Um, with the with NHL on pause, can you give a pros and cons? Uh, oh, I, I, I should say I, I should say these are five star questions. If you want to leave a five star question, you can go to iTunes and uh, for Blue Shirts, you can under Blue Shirts Breakaway, you can leave a five star review, and we will read it on the show all off season long. This is from Gunslinger twenty ninety four. With the NHL on pause, can you give a pros and cons? For a playoff format that have been proposed, such as 24 teams or rankings by winning percentage, uh, what system would you like to see the most? I think. Uh, go ahead, Greg. You go first. Well, I, I get pro would just. We're gonna have. We're we're like drug addicts. We're gonna have such a need for any kind of sport that we will take literally anything in the most convoluted of ideas would be the best ideas. Just anything to give us. Literally anything. We're watching. You're watching Marble Racing now. I've Ryan. The impossible happened. Where yesterday I got bored of horse racing and just turned it off. Are you okay? And said, I don't know, Ryan. That, I really don't know. That's almost as surprising races, as my lint jar. There, <laughs> there were three races left on the card, and I was just like, you know what? Can't do it today. Not going to do it. Just walking away. I wasn't even losing money. I was just like, no, nah, I, I'm fucking bored, and I need to do something else. It was terrible. I really, really had a come to Jesus moment with myself there. Um, the cons, though, it's just not going to be good, guys. Like teams that shouldn't be in are going to be in. Uh, I don't think, and it's just it's hard to think of. Like if you're the Detroit Red Wings, why, right? And obviously you're the worst team in hockey. But why would, as ownership and as players, why would you sign off on a tournament? that wouldn't allow you to also play hockey again because like, why, why why would they be okay with people going back to playing hockey when they're not playing hockey and the same thing goes for like the devils and the same thing goes for the blackhawks i think and the all logic the is that, that the 24 teams though all the teams that are in the 24 teams still had a chance even if it was one percent to make the playoffs they were not mathematically eliminated well, no one was mathematically eliminated, though. Uh, actually, That's I think the Red incorrect. Wings were The Red Wings absolutely were. Yeah. The, but the Red Wings, to be fair, were mathematically eliminated in October. But it, it's just like, I, I, I can't see, I just can't see a scenario where the ownership of the seven teams not included in this are going to be okay not getting the ticket revenue they were going to get from the... 15 some odd games that weren't played this year. I just, I, I have a hard time believing that. And I, look, I'm not going to be the guy that goes, woe is me side with ownership, feel bad for ownership that they're not getting as much money in this multi-billion dollar industry as they thought they were going to. It's just, it, I don't, it's really hard for me to see how 
unless by some miracle that we have not seen, I don't know how anything is going to return to normal before June. And then if, if it returns normal by June, you have to give these guys two to three weeks to at least to get back into shape. So you're talking about a playoff format that doesn't start until July 1st. Well, all right. If we're talking about that and we're talking about the fact that the salary cap is going to be significantly different. Well, the free agents that had July 1st marked down on their calendars as big paydays. Why are they going to want to point push back their free agencies any further when the slice of pie they were thought they were going to get is even smaller now. Like if you're Mike Hoffman, right. Mm -hmm. And you were going into the free agent period as one of the premier wingers. Like, do I think Mike Hoffman is worth $6 million a year? No. But since free agency is so messed up and dumb as it is, it would have been impossible to see a scenario where Mike Hoffman was taking less than $6 million home annually. Well, this is now the scenario where Mike Hoffman may have to take home less money. But if you're Mike Hoffman, would you rather risk an injury in this 24-team clusterfuck of a playoff tournament? Or would you rather just be like, fuck this, let me be a free agent. Let me go get a paycheck. Let me go get my money. Like, the expiring free agents on all these teams, I just, I don't know the benefit for them for this tournament. Like, Taylor, Drew brings up Taylor Hall in our interview today. If you're Taylor Hall and the Coyotes are included in this 24-team playoff tournament, the fuck are you doing? You're the number one dog. Like, you're going to get paid no matter what. If you're Taylor Hall, why would you want to rush back and play in a meaningless tournament that you're not likely to win anyway because the Coyotes have just been snake-bitten by injuries? Like, it, it, the cons so much outweigh the pros. The pros are all fan-related, but the cons are all player and ownership-related. I just, I really don't know how it's going to happen. I am pro the tournament only because I think you make a great point where it's, if the tournament did happen, I would be a rabid fan, and I think I would watch most yeah, every second we're, of it. We're jonesing. We're Correct. jonesing for it. But There's I think nothing in hindsight, once up. it was over, I would be like, okay, that was probably a bad idea. Um, it does feel cheapened. Their injuries. I don't think we'd take the champion serious. Like, right. would you really? We'd we wouldn't call it the Stanley Cup champion. We call it the coronavirus tournament champion. I would, if the Rangers won, I would freak out and I would defend it, even ignorantly to my death. But if anybody else won, I would ignore it and be like, "That's not real. That's not a real cup. That's where I'm at. That's my irrational standpoint." Yeah, I don't think you're alone. I think every fan base would feel the same way. Um, this next question is from John W. Hey guys, love that you were still doing the podcast this week. Got news, John? No matter what, we were doing it. Was bored and scrolling through the NHL stats. Wanted to take. Uh, wanted your guys' take. If the worst happens and they cancel the season. How do you think it affects RFA slash free agent guys? Like, for ex uh, for example, a guy like Mika, who I know isn't up this year, would be going into contract talks on absolute fire, but a guy like Lemieux would be going on a big downtrend. Can they they take into account missing 12 games as the season statistics and how it relates to money? I think you just spoke on this a little bit, right? Well, I, I, I let, let me put it this way. Whatever Brendan Lemieux is going to get paid next year, even if unless Brandon Lemieux scored two points a game in the last 12 games of the season, pretty sure we like, we don't need these 12 games to really know what players should be paid. Right. We're pretty confident in just about everyone who's up for free agency. I don't think, I don't think we had more questions that needed to be answered in regards to Ryan Strom. I don't think we have more questions that needed to be answered in regards to Jesper Faust. I don't th like the, the decisions that'll get impacted. Right. 
if the Rangers, I don't, I don't think this. I'm, I'm simply giving you a hypothetical, Ryan. If the Rangers were even partially on the fence about whether they should keep Jacob Truba for the long haul or move him, maybe they would have needed to see something in these final 12 games to push them one way or the other. Um, maybe if the Rangers wanted a better, maybe, maybe if the Rangers wanted to use the last 12 games of the year to use Tony D'Angelo exclusively on the left-hand side of the defense to help them better plan out what they could do this off season. I think that's where it gets hurt. I, I, the only thing that will impact player contracts, I, I, there's just like, again, Taylor Hall, Mike Hoffman, those guys couldn't do anything the last 12 games besides stay healthy to greatly impact what their paycheck would look like in July. Now, I know I told you last week that there was no chance the NHL will lower the salary cap. I, there is a chance. I don't think, I think the worst part is we're at a point now where there's zero chance the cap goes up. Yes. So the without the cap projected going, cap that was announced three weeks before the virus really hit New York. Uh, and by New York, I mean the world uh, is not going to happen at this point. No, zero chance. The best case scenario for these guys is that the cap doesn't move at all. But I do think you're looking at a situation where it's not going to drop like $10 million. But even if it drops $2 million, that is the difference of having enough money for a Jesper Foss-like player on your roster and not having money for a Jesper Foss-like player on your roster. Especially a team like the New York Rangers where they're up against it already. And now we're talking about a scenario where they're not getting any additional breathing room. So it's it's not a question of how will these 12 games impact a player's salary? Because I think, again, whatever Brendan Lemieux was going to get, whatever contract the Rangers were going to offer him in July, we have a good idea of what it's going to be because we basically know what Brendan Lemieux is right now. The real problem for Brendan Lemieux is we live in such uncertain times when it comes to how much money will be available to these teams. It's a, I mean there's a very good chance that Brandon Lemieux is not a New York Ranger next year, just because at some point, is it better to play a Phil DiGiuseppe type or is it better to pay for, even if it's only a $200,000 difference, a Brandon Lemieux type. And I think the Rangers are going to have to cut corners. Everyone's going to have to cut corners. And the thing that sucks for Brandon Lemieux is we could have sat here and said this, there would have been a team that would have given him a million dollars to play next year. Might not be anymore because I, I think, I think every team looks at a Brandon Lemieux type player as a luxury as opposed to someone you need to build a franchise with. So I think that that's where it's going to get difficult. The, the stars are always going to get paid. There will always be money for the stars, but I think the guys at the lower tier, they're going to get squeezed out and that's going to be the hardest part of this. That's exactly it. I, I I'm really curious to see what happens with, and I, I'm, we're going to have so much time to talk about this particular topic. So with, with those lower, like tier three, tier four players that usually command between like two and three million dollars, like Jesper Fast, like is Jesper Fast going to be a Ranger now? I, I really don't know it, with this case. I, that's, that's money you can kind of like sort of bank on saving. And I don't want to talk about any of that because it's not fun. I wish, you know, we could keep Jesper Fast. I wish everyone could get paid. I wish a lot of people in America could get paid. I know a lot of people lost their job, and who wants to hear about, you know, athlete salaries? But that's what we're here to do, right? Um, you know, Ryan, I had one of the most depressing thoughts I've had in a very long time today. Um, I went right. to the grocery store, which is 
maybe the most depressing place you could possibly be in the world right now. I needed milk, so I needed to go to the grocery store. I walked into the grocery store, and there was a sign on the door that said, we are hiring temporary help for uh, night shift people to basically restock the shelves. And for a second, I thought to myself, man, I am so bored at night that I would go somewhere for two, three hours, help stock shelves, take home whatever money that is, and just call that extra money. And then I had the most depressing part being like, oh, I'm not going to get laid off anytime soon. My business is basically paying me essentially to work half my schedule while not cutting my hours in terms of my paycheck. Like, it's the depressing thought that my boredom is not more important than someone else literally having a paying job to work, even if it's for three hours a night stocking shelves. And that, honestly, was one of the most depressing thoughts I've had in such a fucking long time. It's a uh, rough I, times out there right now. Rough times. I couldn't, I, I like how quickly I went from the, Oh, what an interesting thing I could do for a couple hours a night to, you know what? Someone else is going to need this like, more than me. And I should need it. Yeah, yeah. And I better get the fuck out of the way before just like me not being bored is not as important. I, I can, I'll live right. by being bored. You can watch some Brooklyn nine, nine. Uh, speaking of what you just said, uh, our good friend, Brian Doyle texted me and asked me a five-star question. I said, what the hell does Greg do at Spectrum? It could, <laughs> it could be too personal, and I get if it's crossing the line. Just really want it's to not. know. It, I, it's not. I, I'm a producer, which basically means I'm a writer. Right. Like, it's my job to write stories that will appear in your evening newscast, and then it's also my job to make sure those stories actually get on TV. It, that essentially is it. Simple enough. I am 100%. And just so everyone here who worries about this kind of shit... You bet your ass I make stuff up and put it on TV. No. <laughs> There's no such thing as the fucking no, – no fucking fake news here, people. Yeah, but what all about that need... deep state, dude? Come on. Oh, all the Come time. On, I mean, you, you want to know why the coronavirus actually happened, Ryan? This deep is all part of Andrew Cuomo's presidential campaign. Oh, it's such a – His Q rating is sky high. It's working, bro. It's unbelievable. It's working. Uh, I know. I know. At the same time, hey, Cuomo, because I know you Google search yourself and you're going to listen – to this episode because your name was mentioned. Also, aggregators, make, make, make sure you're talking about this, okay? This, aggregators. This is, all, yeah, this is all I want you guys to take away from this episode. Hey, Cuomo, shithead, legalize mobile sports betting, legalize marijuana. You reap, you just, the cash you take in from the tax money is incredible. The fact that you haven't done this means you're a nincompoop, but also keep up the good work with the corona stuff. You're killing it. Yes. And I, I, you know what? Probably shouldn't say you're killing it in these troubling times. <laughs> you're doing you're, spread, you're, doing, you're spreading good news. Uh, uh, okay, More, let's move are you, on. Are you talking about gaining the COVID-19, Ryan? Uh, about gaining it? Yeah. Like there's the freshman 15 and now we're going to have the oh COVID-19. Oh my God, that just took a second, but that's a tough one. Um, this is from Nikki D, who comments every single week, I believe. He's a frequent commenter. Uh, like that you guys mentioned, uh, or rather, you mentioned this last week. Uh, Barkov would be a dream scenario ad for de center depth. But what about Philip Dunalt up in Montreal? He's up. He's up. That's how his name's actually pronounced. No, I read it and I was like, I'm going to just pretend like I think I know what this the name is. Uh, if I had to get no off the top of my head either, but I'd probably say it's Dano. Dano. That makes like, sense. ULT. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, he has absurd underlying numbers this year. Supposedly a great leader. That's, I'm, I'm sure he's got some nice journalistic references written about him. Uh, one of the best face-off defensive centers in hockey. 
has only one year left of contract at $3 million. Just looking at potential centers for the future and defensemen that we could target in the offseason. And he definitely stood out. Would love to hear your guys' thoughts. Thanks. Uh, so, he's 27. He has one more year on his contract at about $3.1 million. Yep. Um, I don't – I don't – I'm not a big fan of his, and I know I might be in the minority – on that, but I think the other thing you have to keep in mind is the Montreal Canadiens. That I don't think they are in the business See, of. This is exactly what I was going to say. I, I I don't think I don't think they think they're so far away from the playoffs that they should be trading an undervalued center. Who, by the way, uh, he had 53 points in 2018, 2019, and in 71 games this year had 47 points. So we're talking about a center who the last two years has put up back-to-back essentially 50-point seasons. Yeah, and uh, if you think people in Montreal are going to be dying for good hockey once it's available, you're crazy. There's no way they're trading good players. Yeah, and again, it's – I don't – if the Rangers are going to – the assets it would take to get him would be significant, and we're talking about a guy who only has one more year of uh, – one more year of control before he becomes an unrestricted free agent, and he's going to get paid – from that $3.1 million. Like it, it, it's basically trading the Ryan Strom situation for a center who's a little, who's better than Ryan Strom, but you're still essentially in the same water. Uh, so I, I don't quite see it there. If I'm trading, if I'm trading a guy like Niels Lundqvist for anybody, I need at least two years of control. It's really what it comes down to for me. Next question is from the Nelsor. Uh, hey guys, love the show. Considering you guys aren't having, really rather, don't have any games to cover for a while, I figured it would be a good time to ask some stupid questions I've had. Uh, I read one of these questions, and I do not believe we'll be able to answer it. Maybe you can. Sure, I could Google the answers, but I'd much rather have you guys put in the work. Number one, what is escrow? Oh, this one I know. Um, well, I don't know, but I know what it does. Basically, what we need to know about escrow is it means... A portion, a portion of a player's paycheck goes into an account that they can't touch for X amount of years. Well, the next part of and, it was why do play, players complain about escrow and how does that uh, raise the cap in certain players' escrow? I'm assuming that's why they complain about it because they can't touch it. Yeah, because it's a certain – you know how much we complain about what goes to Social Security in our paychecks? Think of escrow as the NHL's Social Security. So it, when someone like Elliot Freeman or Larry Brooks says – there's a possibility that escrow could rate go up to as high as 35% because of this stoppage. That means whatever contract Chris Kreider or whatever paycheck Chris Kreider was getting every week, he's not seeing 35% of that. That's a lot. I don't think anyone, I don't care what your pay, like how much money you're actually making. I don't think there's an appropriate salary where you're like, you know what? I don't need 35% of what I'm making. Agreed. I think you're going to want, as much of the money you work for as quickly as you can get it. So escrow basically means this, like when someone's making $7 million a year, well, they're not actually making that because 35% of it goes directly to this magical player fund that they don't get for X amount of years. So yeah, I, I, I get 100% why players fucking hate escrow. Uh, the second part of the question is, what the hell is an offer sheet? When does it make sense to use an offer sheet as a mechanism to keep or entice a player to join or stay with a team? When does that it backfire? Well, it backfires when you try and sign Sebastian Ajo, if you're the Montreal Canadiens, and you end up giving the Carolina Hurricanes a very team-friendly deal. 
An offer sheet is right. when you so, can make an uh, offer to a restricted free agent, but the offer sheet process in the NHL is a little ridiculous currently, and you have to give up a tremendous amount of package to offer a sheet. Like, I think uh, for a certain amount of players, certain players, it could be like four four of your own first rounders. Um, so say goodbye to your draft for four years. Uh, it's There's really no right time to do it, in my opinion. Um. So... You don't you again, you don't pay the compensation until a team declines to match the offer that another team has given to a player, right? So like That's it costs the Montreal Canadiens nothing to offer that contract to Sebastian Aho. But the it, reason it why it did help the Hurricanes, like legit. Right, because that, and that's what I'm getting into. The reason why the offer sheet system is so just backwards in the NHL is because of the penalties a team not even penalties, it's just the compensation a team owes to the other team if it does sign an offer sheet. Like, in theory, Braden Point should have gotten an offer sheet. Sebastian Ajo should have gotten a better offer sheet. Uh, Mitch Marner should have gotten an offer sheet. All these players should get offer sheets because all these players are worth top dollar. And just because the other team would, doesn't have the cap space to pony up for top dollar, it you, like opposing GM should be using offer sheets to basically make it impossible for those teams to keep other players, which is exactly but, but imagine what the, the NBA Leafs, does. The Leafs got lost Mitch Marner, and he had like a top-flight offer sheet, and it was a lower-level team, and then they had two first-round picks for four years in a row. Like, yes, right. Mitch, and, Mitch Marner is very good, and maybe he's worth four first-round picks, but if you're the GM and you gave up your first four-round picks and Marner is a bust, you haven't lost your job. Right, so it's... You look at the other leagues that do offer sheets, the NFL and the NBA. The NFL puts um, draft pick compensation attached to their offer, the offer sheets as well, but it's it's a single draft pick. So, like, for example, the 49ers last week um, gave Kendrick Bourne and Matt Breida second-round tenders, which means if another NFL team wants to sign those players, they have to be willing to trade a second-round pick to do it. But it's one second-round pick. In the NBA, there is no compensation. All it costs in the NBA is money. But the way the salary cap works is other teams know if they offer X amount of monies in one year of that deal, it could fuck up that team's plans for the future. And we see that's exactly where the term poison pill contract comes from. Teams know this, teams do this because they understand that their strategy in overpaying a player, because one, you want that player, and two, you know that the other team wants that player, but you have to make it uncomfortable for that team to keep them, which I am 100% for that, right? It makes sense. I want, it makes perfect sense. If you're, like, Matt Barzal is going to be a restricted free agent whenever restricted free agency starts this year. There's no reason why every team shouldn't be willing to offer Matt Barzal $10, $11, 12000000 million a year. He's young. He's great. He's got... 10 years of his prime ahead of him. That should be the kind of guy where if you're a team like the New York Islanders, you should be put in a position where you need to lock up your franchise player. But because the NHL has this ridiculous compensation system and because it's a good old boys network where they don't want to screw other GMs out of whatever future they're looking for, we just don't see it. And it's dumb. The whole reason the, the Aho offer sheet was stupid was because Sebastian Ajo was worth ten plus million dollars on the open market, 8 .5, and right? the Canadians, yeah, the Canadians. That's all they could offer him because that's all they had, because of this stupid system. So yeah, if you're the Hurricanes, 
No, you're not going to let the Canadians take him for eight and a half million dollars. That's literally two, at least two million dollars annually. Then you should be paying him anyway. So of course you're just going to match it. So if you take away the compensation, I think we'd get a lot more offer sheets. And we should, as fans, be rooting for offer sheets. It makes the offseason more interesting. It makes locking up your young, talented players more important. Like, Matt Barzal should never it, – it's the same – it's like in baseball, right? Great players very rarely go to arbitration because teams want to lock them up. Mookie Betts notwithstanding. But if, like, the Mookie Betts thing becomes the outlier, not the norm. With offer sheets – like – Bridge contracts shouldn't exist. The only reason bridge contracts exist is because every other team's are chicken shit. Next question. Next question. It's a one-star review. I just want to oh. – I want to read it real quick. Uh, from New York – we don't usually do this in case you're wondering. Don't leave one-star reviews. Please. Thank you. Uh, New York Rangers, 1926. Uh, don't mention it. I don't want to think about the coronavirus, and the first thing they mention is the virus. Sorry, I won't Got be it. listening for a while. Hey, man. Per- perfect. The one thing you don't want to listen to is the most important thing happening in the world right now. Okay. The one thing you actually need information on is the one thing also, you don't want to listen to. We're not your source for coronavirus, but we're here to, you know, work you through what's going on with coronavirus and talk about the Rangers and other dumb shit we talk about every single week. But how do you expect us not to mention it? It's impossible. Yeah, also, we're, we're a podcast that basically recaps the week that was for the New York Rangers. The last week that was for the New York Rangers got canceled because of the fucking coronavirus. Like, what do you want us to talk about? How uh, stupid is that? I don't want to hear about the coronavirus. All right, well, on this day in New York Rangers history, hip, 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 you can get that shit on Twitter from other people, all right? We're going to talk about the real world and what the fuck's happening. And sometimes with the real world and what the fuck's happening, it's going to relate to the New York Rangers. You can kiss my fucking ass. I didn't say anything about broomsticks, Ryan. We won't get a post-it note. We will. Um, hey, five-star question. This is from Keegan again. This is Self-Isolation Edition, Volume 1 from Keegan. One of my New Year's resolutions was to try and listen to a new band each week. week. Greg, you're out of this question. With tours no. getting canceled like crazy and musicians really suffering as a result, I want to try and keep up that uh, and treep up and listen to a new couple bands each week. I'd like to know, one, from each of you, what is your favorite band slash artist? Two, uh, a band slash artist you think gets more hate than they deserve? And three, a band slash artist, more people you wish knew about. You want me to handle this one? Uh, yeah, I, I will just say that um, last night I was so bored playing Overwatch with some friends, I changed the words of Gloria to Zarya, and I had a great time with it. Nice job. Look at you playing Overwatch again. Uh, the Brian, I have nothing else. What, what is your favorite band slash artist? My two favorite uh, artists are... Brand new. It's an emo band from the 2000s. They also got canceled two years ago uh, for some reasons. And then my other favorite uh, artist is Jeff Rosenstock. I am a giant fan of Jeff Rosenstock. If you have listened to his album, Worry, it is my number two album of all time. A band of artists that you think gets more hate than they deserve. Uh, Smash Mouth. All Star is a legit banger. If you haven't listened to Mouth Moods, it's an album by Neil Ciceriga where it's a concept album in a universe where... Uh, Smash Mouth exists. It's incredible. Take your time and listen to some Mouth Moods. I believe one of my favorite reviewers put in his top 100 albums of the decade. And then a band or artist you wish more people knew about. This is a uh, this is a good question. A band or artist I wish more people knew about. I guess there's a lot of different bands, but I listened to this album recently called 1000 Gex. It's like listening to one of the worst things you've ever listened to, but at the end of it, you're like, wow, I can't believe I listened to that pile of garbage, but it was kind of catchy. So let me know, Keegan, what you think about that. 
Um, this is, next question is from Nick Sweet Thirteen. Hey guys, hope everything's going well. It is not. With sports canceled, all I can do is look at free agency and dream of the possibilities. What do you think realistic landing spot for Ryan Strom would be, and what could teams offer in return? And would you guys uh, would you guys look into free agency or trade to replace him as the two seed, uh, three seed? Thanks. Keep up the great work. I think the most appropriate landing spot for Ryan Strom is on this podcast. And come on to talk about his time as a New York Ranger. Gregory, your thoughts on that? Uh, I agree. Mm-hmm. It's also, it's really, it, I've, I've been finding it really hard to, I, you know me, Ryan. Unfortunately, you know me better than most, and I'm sure you don't actually want to. But you know that I like playing with hypotheticals. It's one of my favorite things in the world. And you're quite good at it's them, by really, the way. Yeah, it's just, but it's so hard to play with hypotheticals because we just, like there's so much we don't know if right if if the florida panthers went on such a cold streak at the end of the season and didn't make the playoffs would they be in a would they blow it all up maybe probably knowing how smart that management structure is if the calgary flames same thing if they fell out of the playoffs would they blow it all up the fact that we've been robbed of the overreaction part of the season it really hampers what we can see happening in the off season because if your team doesn't make the playoffs, the best thing is like, all right, if the Tampa Bay Lightning crashed out of the playoffs again early, how would they overcorrect? Would they overcorrect? Would they make a move they otherwise wouldn't do? Is there a salary that they wouldn't think about moving before that they would think about moving now because they need to address a certain part of their team they think they're lacking at? Like, it's it's hard. It's hard for me to look at any other team out like – the Detroit Red Wings need players, but they're not in the business of getting Ryan Strom. Chicago Blackhawks, they're not in the business of getting Ryan Strom. You're only trading Ryan Strom to a team that thinks they're very close to being Stanley Cup teams. Like, I don't think anyone, I shouldn't say I don't think anyone, because again, this league has a lot of dumb players. But most people, most smart GMs will look at Ryan Strom as a really good middle, maybe strong middle six center that you don't want to, build out with long-term, but will definitely help put your team over the top in terms of Stanley Cup contention. Like, is Ryan Strom good enough to be a third-line center on really good playoff teams? Absolutely. The whole, the only reason you and I are even talking about Ryan Strom trade scenarios is because we just we don't think it the timeline matches up, and we also don't think he can be your number two. And the Rangers are about, he's about to make number two money. Um, so it, it's really tough. It's really tough playing the hypothetical game now. It's really hard, and I want to answer this question, and I think you did a good job with it, but I, I, I want to wait a few more weeks to really give you a full breakdown from it because I just don't know. There's so much up in the air, and I'm really curious as to how much we know two weeks two weeks from now. Can I just remind you, because I did a little research on our podcast today, two episodes ago, do you know what the title of our podcast was? Two episodes. Two episodes ago. So this was before the Dallas-Colorado back-to-back? Correct. Uh, two episodes ago, Gregory. Two. Was that the was that on the heels of the embarrassing Devils game? That was the yes, but it was the Mika five goal game week. That was yeah. two episodes ago. What? It doesn't feel like it was. It doesn't feel like it was. So we basically talked about the Mika five goal game and the awful Devils game three Mondays ago. Yes. That's that doesn't feel like it was three. It, it that feels like it was a six. I was thinking about this today because I. And shout out to our good friend, Vince McCogliano, who also brought this up. Like, it it wasn't even five weeks ago when Kevin Connolly 
aka E from Entourage, called me ugly on Twitter. That was a month ago. I was in Las Vegas a month ago, not worried about a damn thing. That's insane. I can't, I can't even fathom that right now. Uh, we have three more questions, unless you want to save some for next week because we've already gone 45 minutes. No, let's just keep going. Why not? What is it? Yeah. Everyone has a lot of time on their hands. Good point. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, this is from DennyWise98. Now that hockey is basically put on hiatus for a while, I cannot seem to shake off the thought about Mika. We all know that he finished the season red hot and he could easily finish with 50 goals and over 100 points and if he played all 82 games. The point I'm trying to make is that I think Mika overachieved this year or, or it would be irresponsible for us to think that he could replicate those numbers in the future. I do believe he's a true 1C, but to see him producing more likely around 30 goals and racking up 80, I see him rather being 30 goal scorer and 80 points per season. What are your guys' thoughts on this? And if you think any other Ranger overachieved this year, Panarin, Tony, Fox, Lindgren, stay healthy, you two, and praise be. Pretty much he said Mika, it did Mika overachieve during this season? I don't, well, yes, in the sense that none of us should be expecting Mika to put up basically like a one and a half to two point per game. Like, Mika's stretch since the All-Star break should not be what you expect Mika to do at all times. So in that regard, yes. But you should should expect a better version. Like, Mika already, he went to another level this year. He's still very young. He's going to be this way for the next four or five years. He's still going to be a a, a really great player. Could he hit 100 points again? Yeah, I think so. I don't think that's think I think, yeah, I think we're entering a point with Mika where he should be as close to a point-per-game player as you could reasonably expect the top center to be. Like, if Mika reverts back to just 55, 60 points on the season or just 25 to 30 goals on a season, we're going to consider that a massive regression. So, like, he overachieved in the terms of, I don't think he's capable of scoring 60 goals in one year, but I think Mika Zibanejad has very firmly established himself as a premier top-line center who has the ability to score 35-plus goals and 75-plus points a year. And honestly, anything less than that would be a little surprising, uh, again, barring an injury. Next question is from Matt Fields from Australia. Oh, I might. Hey, guys, Matt from Aussie Melbourne Aussie. again. Uh, now that hockey has been suspended. Don't, don't, read this, don't read this in an accent. I, I, only, I only did one thing. I only said one. One word. I said, oh, I might, and I stopped. Now, now that hockey has been suspended, I was wondering if you guys had a chance to watch the Aussie Rules football. We have not. Should I be? Uh, there are many elements similar to hockey. Physicality, fast movement, big hits. It's currently the only sport on TV worth watching at the moment. Let me know if you, what you guys think. P.S. I love Greg's rants. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people do, which is concerning. Sorry, I Greg. should probably see a therapist. Um, a lot of therapists. I haven't. I've, I, I. I didn't. I didn't dip my toes in the Aussie Rule football. I've watched it before. Um, I. I don't know. I. I. I, I complain about being so bored, but. I'm having. A, I'm trying to find things that don't involve me continuing to sit in front of the television for hours at a time. So, like, I have plenty of those options if I want them, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm trying to find things I can do that don't involve that at this point. So, I'm, I, I don't think I want to add something else that I could watch on TV to my repertoire at this point. I need other things, like playing Aussie rule football. But I can't be around people, so you see my problem. Uh, next question, final question of the day before we get to an interview with Drew Way 
It's from Kazi69. Nice. Uh, who is the second best ranger of the 21st century at this exact moment in time? Is it McDonough? Is it Nash? Yager? Stall purely by volume? Is there any case to be made for Nick Holden? <laughs> There's always a case to be made for Nick Holden. Uh, can you believe we got Joey Keene, which became um, Gauthier from Ooh, that? I, I actually <laughs> missed a question, so I want to go ahead and, and get one. But yes, I, I, can't, I cannot believe we, we did that for Nick Holden. It's unbelievable. Uh, I do think it's... Uh, I think the only contenders that we can put up there are Kreider, McDonough, and Yager. Uh, and I guess Marion Gabryk, but Gabryk really wasn't... I, I do put longevity into it. Um, I'd probably, my gut says Yager, but I think the reasonable one is McDonough. I think McDonough is number two, and I think Yager's three. And my gut says Yager too, but McDonough just has more of the resume, right? Just been around, just did more. I mean, but I wonder how much we, do we overvalue, I mean, McDonough was fantastic. And it's hard to think of what these Rangers defenses would have looked like without him. But I wonder if we're elevating him to a higher point because he had the captaincy. Um, it's a, there's a case for it. I mean, I, I, think, ju- I just think he, I, I, he's I, around I, for more to, memorable moments, if that makes sense. Yeah, and as important as Hank was, I think we forget how bad those defenses were when Girardi and St- – what well, we don't forget. But <laughs> the defense became nearly unplayable when Girardi and Stahl fell off a cliff. And without Ryan McDonough here – I don't want to imagine what those teams would have looked like in front of Henrik Lundqvist. So, like, in terms of playing a role on the best Ranger teams of this first 20 years of the century, I think it's McDonough, but I I, I think we undervalue the impact Yager had as well. Last question is from Captain Dick Rip. I feel, <laughs> I feel like questions about sports are trivial, trivial at this time. Uh, don't say Captain Dick Rip. But if, if play resumes... What's your favorite alternative to finishing the regular season? We kind of talked about this a little bit, but Freeman uh, talked about 12 games, uh, 12 teams getting in and all but the top four in each conference playing three-game series. I thought that sounded fun, and the Rangers would also get in. Also, what's the over-under on 1.5 years for a COVID 30 for 30? Great podcast. Keep it up. I need more stuff to do now. All of my classes are online. Uh, I think uh, over because they're going to do it right, and I don't know when COVID's going to end. And I think uh, I I do think we talked about this a little bit, but I do think it would be super fun. But I, I think it's a little cheap. Yeah, I I really think we're gonna get to a point where we're all gonna realize there's no we're gonna want sports back so bad that we're gonna want everyone to restart the the league. But I and I I'm not the only one saying this. I know the NHL has put out put this out there as well. I do think it's more important to have a normal 2020-2021 season than it is for us to anoint a champion in what became the suspension season. Yes, like it's I want I want a completely normal next year. I'm not willing to trade two fucked up seasons just to name one champion, right? Give me one give me normal as soon as we can get normal. And if that means just starting fresh in October, then I'm here for it. I'll I'll survive. Mostly did a mailbag episode. Let's finally get to Drewway after we've done this, and then we will come back and close the show. Let's do an ad and transition. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the United States have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? I'll wait. A week, maybe? 
actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities, basically a month. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get your treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from the U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment's right for you, well, Roman can Roman's pharmacy can ship you medication to you free with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash BSB for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BSB for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. I also want to tell you guys about DoorDash. That's right, DoorDash. Listen, let's be honest. You're not going out anytime soon for multiple reasons. So why not use DoorDash? DoorDash brings you all of America's flavors to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but so are 300,000 restaurants that you might love somewhere else. I mean, there's Chick-fil-A, there's Chipotle, there's Cheesecake Factory, there's a bunch of different things. Find something that's open and order. Eat at home. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BSB. That's right. All you have to do is... Download the DoorDash app on the App Store. Enter code BSB on your first order of $15 or more. DoorDash, it's easy to eat. And finally, I'm telling you guys about the Black Tux. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit, or a tuxedo for their big day. Do you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo-fitting outfits you could ever imagine? It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from your competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid of his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. What I love about Black Tux is that it's just easy ordering online process that brings your suit and tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblackstux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel... Feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online doesn't fit your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order within two weeks of your wedding so you can check one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find formal wear experience or designs like this one you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with code BLUESHIRTS. That's blacktux.com, code BLUESHIRTS. Oh, I lied. It's not code BLUESHIRTS. It's code RANGERS. Sorry, RANGERS. For 10% off your purchase, the Black Tux formal wear uh, for the moment. The code is RANGERS. Back to the show and Drew Way. Hey, we're back with our first guest of the day, Tony D'Angelo and Ryan. Oh, hey, Drew. What's going on, buddy? That's not very nice. Uh, but what's up? <laughs> Um, you know, it's been a it's been a wild ride for the past couple of weeks, as you probably imagine. But uh, still recording the podcast every single week. No sports for anybody, but we're used to this here because we usually do five months of no Ranger content anyway. So we figured to bring you on and talk a little bit of Prospect Haven and what's going on in the Ranger Prospect world. What you expect of Mister Miller and uh, Mister Niels Lundqvist? And actually, I would like to start off by just getting your take on uh, on, on Niels himself. We've been talking on the podcast 
uh, the past couple weeks of what Neil's, uh, uh, if he could be traded or not. Uh, do you believe he's like a, a can't trade prospect? Well, this is kind of awkward because I was under the impression we were going to talk about the Kanye West Taylor Swift feud the whole time. So oh, talk about prospects. Um, <laughs> nah. <laughs> so when Kanye uh, came out in 2011, and he, uh, you know, publicly stated that it shouldn't have been Taylor that won the video, how did you feel? Was that nine years ago? Really? Yeah, I believe so. Holy I mean, shit. You're really wrong. I'll get into my feelings about it. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I'd rather you talk about Neil's Lundquist. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so <laughs> now I don't even remember the question. You said, do I think Neil's Lundquist is... Is, is, he, is he untradeable? Is, is there a scenario where you could trade a player or yeah. a prospect of that caliber? Yeah, of course. I mean, first and foremost, there's no such thing as an untradeable asset unless you're talking maybe Connor McDavid. But I, I'm... First and foremost, when it comes to any trade discussion, is everyone can be had for the right price. So, like, if you're telling me Buffalo hits us up and was like, "Hey, we'll keep you Jack Eichel for Niels Lundqvist, a couple of firsts, and something else," like, yeah, sure, Niels, Niels Lundqvist is totally tradable. But if we're just keeping ourselves, you know, confined to the realm of realistic possibilities, like, I don't really, I can't see any deal where I'd be happy with trading Niels Lundqvist. Um, I think Niels is arguably the Rangers' best overall prospect. I mean, I'd probably still put Kratzoff in front of him, but to me, he's definitely their best defensive prospect. Well, what do you think the difference between Miller and Niels is at this point? Because I feel like the public perception of Miller is that he's the better prospect a lot of the time. Um, I think the difference is Niels is better at hockey. Mm, that oh, seems no, like oh, a... no shit. Go, go further into that. <laughs> yeah, speak more of I it. Mean, well, so it's funny, like I say that facetiously, but I also, I also do mean it in that, like Keandre, I'll be honest, like the only reason to think Keandre Metters, Miller is the better prospect is if your prospect evaluation is largely hinged only on upside. Um, and even then, uh, I think they have comparable upsides, but in terms of just who's a better hockey player, it certainly is Nils Lundqvist now. And if you're talking about most likely outcomes, I, I certainly think it's also Nils Lundqvist there. Then obviously to expand, um, you know, Keandre Miller, I think the most tantalizing thing, and, and I should say this, I like Keandre a lot. I think he's really good. I don't say this to downplay him. I say this to, to more to tout how highly I regard Nils Lundqvist. Um, you know, Keandre Miller is kind of almost like, in my mind, sort of like a bigger, like more athletic Anton Strawman type in that he doesn't do anything in particular super well, but like has a pretty good overall package. Um, the, the number one, you know, thing about Keandre is he's, he's a gigantic, like, like Seth Jones, he's big and an athletic freak, but you know, he's not like, I saw there was a lot of debate on Twitter the past few days, like, you know, is he defense? Is he shutdown defenseman is he an offensive first defenseman is he a two-way because the reports have been all over and i think one of the reasons the reports have been all over is because he's he's not really any of that like he's he's got good offensive tools and good offensive instincts because he used to be a winger but i don't think he's you know going to be some power play quarterback or huge you know dynamic offensive defenseman um he because of his size and his athleticism and and he's a pretty smart guy he's He's pretty good on defense in his own zone and still learning, but he's, I don't think he'll ever be the kind that you send out there to shut down the opposition's best, you know, line. 
Um, but and then also similar to Strawman, you know, perhaps the biggest strength of this game is you know he's good in transition and can help move the puck up the ice. Um, and he's you know better than you know, and he's a great skater, um, which is something obviously you wouldn't so much say about Strawman. So he's kind of a in my mind, Kendrick Miller is you know he's high upside because he's like he's just an athletic freak. But in terms of his hockey skill set, he's sort of like a like a jack of all trades, master of none type. If that makes sense. Um, whereas Nils Lundqvist is got, has one of the highest hockey IQs of any prospect out there right now. He's a dynamic passer. I mean, he's not quite to the level of passing as say Adam Fox, but I think you can. There's a lot of parallels between Nils Lundqvist's game and Adam Fox's game in terms of they're both excellent passers. They're both extremely intelligent. Very rarely make the wrong play. Um, both are you know, better defensively than most people give them credit for, and I think you've really seen that in Fox this year. And both can power play, uh, can power play, can quarterback a power play. So you're saying, well, let, let, before you, before I ask the next question, let me ask this question, Drew. You, I feel like you would agree in my assessment that neither Niels Lundqvist nor Keandre Miller should factor in significantly to what the New York Rangers want to do next season come opening night? Yeah, um, I would say I think Mills Lundqvist could contribute next season, but I wouldn't bank on it. You know, kind of like how we viewed Adam Fox, how most viewed Adam Fox this year, where it's like, hey, you know, he can probably make the lineup and do well. And But no one, I don't think anyone really had crazy expectations for him this year. And I think Mills is in a similar situation, maybe a little bit further away than Adam Fox was in terms of, you know, he's got the skill set to do it at the NHL level. It's more of, you know, where's his mind at? Um, can, you know, he, you know, how quickly he can adjust to, you know, the, these ranks over here, things like that. So with that in mind, we would, I think the three of us agree, if the New York Rangers want to move on from our very good friend and soon podcast uh, guest appearance, Ryan Strom, if, say, they want to move on from him, they have a drastic need they need to address down the middle. And they still have to address a top four left-handed defenseman. You're telling me you don't think there is a realistic target, say, oh, I don't know. Say the Ducks wanted to do something silly and traded Hampus Lindholm. You're not including Niels Lundqvist to trade for him. Um, well, it was Lindholm. Uh, Lindholm, 20, 26 under contract for two more years at $5.2 million. Yeah, I mean, with the caveat of, I'll be honest, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the Anaheim Ducks this year. That's fine. They were not good. So, yeah, well, I, my point is, like, this response comes with the possibility that maybe Lindholm sucked this year, and I wasn't aware of it. But, um, yeah, if, if Hampus Lindholm is still the Hampus Lindholm of the past few years, yeah, of course I'd trade Lundqvist for Lindholm. He was arguably one of the ten best defensive defensemen in the NHL for the past few years. Um, I mean, in my opinion, Lindholm has been one of the more underrated defensemen in the NHL for the last few years. Um, so. All right, so maybe, I mean, obviously a great example. I am almighty and I know everything. And obviously I, everyone here would love Lindholm on the New York Rangers. But what I'm more generally speaking, Niels Lundqvist, if he could address a long-term answer for the New York Rangers, that's the scenario you trade him. And I think everyone would agree, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be stupid to trade him for – a guy that only is really going to help next year. But yeah, if you got a young defenseman and then theory is going to be with the organization for a handful more years, no problem. Then sure. That's the scenario in which you trade Lundqvist. 
it just that I mean, I just made a Greg noise. That's how uh, that's where I am at this point in my life. With keeping Niels, it's just so many more years of control. I guess if you could sign Lindholm, then you would do it. Um, but that does feel a little bit like the Jacob Truba trade, doesn't it? I guess it, would you say Lindholm is in another category than Truba? I'm assuming yes. Yeah, I mean, I was on this podcast, you know, months ago before the Truba trade, and I was pretty emphatic that I thought Truba was fairly overrated. And I mean, I said, hey, I like him a lot, and he's good, and you can trade for him, and get him. But I was like, he's not the defensive defenseman that people make him out to be. Um, I think right. his, I think, well, his struggles this year, I think, have more to do with system than him per se. And I, I, I am confident that he'll turn it around. And I think, um, you know, I saw a couple of people on Twitter the other day calling that trade a loss, which is asinine, if I'm being honest. Um, and also, as just a sidebar, like you can't, like when you're evaluating trade, you have to evaluate it with what you know at the time of the deal. You can't be like, well, this super surprising thing happened and therefore we lost it. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. Um, but, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, Lindholm's a better player than Truba for, for, for sure in my mind. Has there been any prospect this year that like we're not paying attention to? I know Morgan Barron just won another award. There's been a lot of... Uh, the. The prospects for the Rangers in general have been performing quite well. Has there someone that you have you've had your eye on that you has kind of been a Drew Way special, aka like a Ty Smith for the Devils, something like that? You talking about guys that are already drafted, or are you talking about guys, guys that are in, guys that are already in the Rangers system? I mean, Carl Henriksen is the guy that I'm always going to be banging the table is better than generally gets credit for. Um, you know, your your coworker Scott Wheeler, who I actually I like Scott Wheeler quite a bit. Like I'm usually fairly critical of a lot of, you know, professional um, prospect guys. Um, but Wheeler was one of my favorites. And like, I mean, he had Henriksen behind, you know, I recall when he did this, his prospect rankings, like behind Pajaniemi and, and Barron. And I, as much as I like Morgan Barron and how great he just was, like, I think, you know, I would take Carl Henriksen. I would trade Morgan Barron before I trade Carl Henriksen. I think Henriksen is, is the real deal and can translate to be, you know, middle six wing whereas baron again love him but he's probably a bottom six center i i said wing for henrickson i meant center obviously right uh while, while we're talking baron i, I want to get in the weeds a little bit with him because uh mm -hmm. ryan's gonna be shocked to hear this but i did a twitch stream Whoa. this weekend because i was so bored congratulations and one of the questions one of the questions that came up was morgan baron and drew you know that i've actually been banging the morgan baron drum a lot longer mm -hmm. than many other people have. It's one of the few things I could claim as a good Greg take. They don't exist much, but they happen. Uh, however, I, I think people are starting to get a little overboard with, with the Morgan Barron juice. Um, I understand that he was the ECAC player of the year. I understand that he's a Hobie Baker finalist. He's having a great year as a sophomore at Cornell. The fact that he just got him with a seventh, seventh round pick, He's become an actual prospect, deserves some credit and some recognition there for the scouting department. But I, I do think people I, – I agree with you, Drew. I think if Morgan Barron has an NHL career, it is likely in a bottom six role. I don't foresee some stardom for him that has – the fact that he's even become a bottom six NHLer as a seventh-round draft pick, again, is a lot of credit to him and a lot of credit to the Rangers scouting system. But mm -hmm. I, I just think – We'll need to pump the brakes a little bit when he's obviously playing well, obviously winning a lot of awards. Obviously, it's great. Obviously, we're talking about Rangers farm system that desperately needs forward depth. But just a reminder to people, Matt Gilroy won the Hobie Baker. 
Jimmy VC won the Hobie Baker. Just because you win the Hobie Baker doesn't automatically make you the next coming. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd be 100% in agreement with you. I mean, that's the thing that, you know, sports fans are always notorious for is overrating their own prospects. Um, but in, uh, and Morgan Barron's no different. Like I said, he's a nice player. And this fact that he likely looks like he has an NHL career, despite the fact that I think he's a sixth round draft pick, like that's great. And everyone should love that. But again, if he's more than a third line setter, I'd be completely and utterly stunned. And even to your point that you were making, like I think he said, you know, he just had a great sophomore year. I actually think he's a junior already. So it's like, you know, he's. Uh, he might be. He might be. Yeah. And so just, he, but that just makes your point even stronger about like, Hey, you know, if he was a freshman or a sophomore putting up these numbers, like that'd be something. But, you know, he's a junior and he's big and, and, you know, a lot of his game is suited towards the NCAA game. Whereas, um, you know, I kind of see him as a, you know, a Brian Boyle type in the NHL where he's got the size, so probably really good defensively. And he's got enough talent to, you know, make a name for himself in the NHL. But I don't see him as anything more than a bottom six uh, player. Uh, you are absolutely right. He is a junior, not a sophomore. Just so, throwing that in there as well. Right. Uh, so we were still on on Morgan Barron. I'm assuming. So I, listen, there's a, the 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 farm in general was pretty stacked out. Other than uh, who's the next prospect we see that isn't Niels or Miller on the team? Like actually uh, make the Rangers, or is that those the only two that really have a chance? I guess Kraftsoft would be the answer, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kraftsoft's the obvious answer, and I honestly like the more underreported, like disappointing things I think about um, sort of the seasons being canceled or paused or whatever the hell you want to call this is that Kratzoff is really starting to come into his own in Hartford and starting to really, you know, I don't want to say dominate, but look comfortable and really getting his game turned around. And uh, so it really sucks for his development that all of a sudden, just as he was starting to get comfortable, um, things got halted like this. Yeah, I mean, he. I what did he score like seven points in the last two weeks of hockey he was playing, something like that. Um, so something, he, something along those lines. I don't have it memorized. Sorry, everybody. But yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see uh, what he does whenever hockey gets going again, whether it be later this summer in a playoff tournament or next season. Uh, and to answer your question though, because I actually didn't, Rykov is probably the other guy. Got it. This year largely was you know he got injured in the beginning and never was quite himself again, but give him an extended period of time to recover. And I, I definitely think he's an NHL player and um, I could see him with the team next year, obviously depending on what they want to do with handedness and, and how things shake out, and whatever the hell off season we have. I saw this. Do you have any, any, any thoughts, Drew, on Patrick Kodorenko, the most recent NCAA signing? Um, is this the, this is the gigantic one? Or no, is this no the... The, the gigantic one is Roshman, who's a loose. Right. And I don't think yeah. you need to evaluate that anymore. Kodorenko <laughs> is the Michigan State Center. Uh, right, right. This is the one you and I were chatting about uh, when you when they first signed. Yeah, I mean, he's. I actually was talking to our buddy Josh Calfin. Cal- I think is that how we pronounce it. We decided we pronounce his last name. Sure. Um, but we were talking to Josh and Tobias about this, and um, Tobias uh, Pedersen, of course. And all of us pretty much had the same take in terms of, listen, the kid has done really well. He's got some talent, a bit of a late bloomer. Like, sure, you throw a, you know, it's a no-risk signing. Um, he definitely could be an NHLer. I think his game is actually pretty suited to be an NHLer next year. But kind of like what we were saying with Morgan Barron, like, guys, don't take his numbers he just put up at Michigan State and uh, 
you know, don't take those at face value. Like you have to understand he's a senior, right? I believe he was just coming off his senior year. Um, you know, it's, it's a completely different style league. Um, and it's, Hey, just, if you get an NHL player out of it, be happy. Don't sit here and put some ridiculous expectations on him just because he put up gaudy numbers. Drew, with the, the playoffs being sort of up in the air, we don't know if we'll see playoff hockey this year. Let's say the Rangers did make a run in a 24-team playoff-style uh, hockey. Uh, would you rather wait till next season at that point? Or would you – I guess we're, we're desperate for sports in any aspect at this. I, I would take anything. I'll watch, I watch marble racing on YouTube. That's where I'm at. Are you, was that that, that five-minute-long video where some guy put out and made like that 500-foot-long marble track? Not, o- not only that, Drew, that's not just one video. There are hours where he calls every single marble race with extreme accuracy. I don't know if that sounds good or awful. I sometimes, well, I, you know what? I've I've watched a lot of weird things in the past couple of days. Like, I really shouldn't get into it, but yes, that's one of them. Yeah, um, yeah. You don't want to make Grandpa pissed off with some of the weird things. That I know, are. Grandpa Red. <laughs> I hope he's. Um, um, I hope he's staying social distancing. You know, Grandpa, stay. Yeah, stay, so stay I home. guess. Your question is just, you know, sort of my thoughts on what yeah, I want. Correct. Yeah. I would say I would rather scrap this season entirely and keep next year completely intact than create some rushed thing this year that goes into September, October. And now we're facing, you know, a crammed schedule for the players this year and for next season as well. Because I just think like the potential long-term like injury you know, concerns that could happen if you're going to do such a condensed schedule for two straight, you know, seasons worth of play, like just wouldn't be worth it, you know? And what would you rather have? Uh, Some fun playoff hockey, maybe kind of sort of this year, and then everything is sort of rushed into next year. Now next year we also have a condensed schedule and run the risk of Capococco or Adam Fox suffering some severe injury that could be related to fatigue. Or would you rather just, you know what, take things easy this year. Who knows when everything's going to be back to normal and we'll see you again next year. It's oh, the Capococco thing. You know, you know how I feel. I'm happy. The, the one side note for this uh, hockey just ending is that that dude gets the rest up as much as possible. That's like one of the few benefits to losing all the sports. If, if it's, you can even call it that, but the injury risk, like you said, is just too much. And I, I think even if you won the cup and that was the team you followed, like, I don't think the Rangers would win the cup if it was some random, 24 team i mean they could like anybody could right no no they wouldn't (laughs) okay but but even then like even if they did win or another team like i i would feel i guess i would still enjoy it as a fan but it does feel like cheapened and also they would cancel the parade like and that's the best yeah i mean i still give devil fans shit over the 95 season tell them that that should come with an asterisk so (laughs) they would send it right back at me if somehow uh we uh you know won some cup out of a weird 24 team tournament and i'll say this like that 24 team tournament like that would probably be a lot of fun i'm just saying hell yeah i'd rush next year normal than all these risks associated with trying to rush this year and then condense next year yeah, yeah it i just i also think it, it's i don't think anyone would really be that excited if their team won the stanley cup in some convoluted summer tournament it just it doesn't seem right like as as fun as that 1999 New York Knicks team was in the strike shortened season when as an eight seed, they went to the NBA finals. It still doesn't feel like a real NBA season. 
And we're talking about a Knicks franchise that's desperate for any bit of good news. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, but and also, like the other fear too is like, say they, you know, they get back, they think they're ready to get back, and then all of a sudden another player tests positive. Now you have to shut down all over. Um, like I heard, I was chatting with a friend the other day, and sort of what I related it to was like, like a soft tissue injury with an athlete. Like, you know, say you pull your hamstring, all of a sudden the guy supposed to be out four weeks, he rushes back in two weeks, and then he pulls it again, and now he's out for the rest of the year. Like, that literally could happen with this season where they try to rush it back because the owners are desperate to make up as much money as possible, and the players don't want to pay 35% escrow next year, uh, and another player tests positive. Then the whole thing is shut down for good again. Yeah, that's exactly why I haven't played kickball in about three years right there. That's why. Really waiting for my really waiting for my hamstring injury to heal properly. Dude, I will say that – podcast episode where you were dying in the car on the way back was absolutely hilarious that was... i just no one thinks about how important your hamstring uh, is when you're driving home it's that was that might be my favorite podcast podcast episode you guys have ever four done. years ago at this point ranger playoffs yeah. unbelievable it was so funny <laughs> i'm happy you enjoyed it because i was in debilitating pain trying to drive home I just love that you didn't call your parents to like the next day. I think it was. No, I, I, I called, I called, uh, I, after I did it, I got in the car and immediately called my mom because I realized I couldn't touch the, uh, the foot pedal. And I believe the conversation went like this. My mom said, hello. And I said, I need drugs and I need drugs now. And then we, I explained to her what happened. No, no, she's, it's not the first time I've called her. It's the first time sober I've called her and told her that. But, uh, I've definitely, I've definitely had those conversations with her. Uh, Momcast uh, coming soon, round two. Um, yeah, I, I made the mistake of telling my mom that Momcast might have been today, so I got a frantic phone call last night asking for prep material, and I was like, it's not tomorrow. You my know. mom continues to call me every day because she's sitting home in isolation with my dog and cat, and she goes, she pretty much calls me every day asking when Momcast is because she has nothing to do. Yeah, my my dad uh, basically live live tweeted just through text message the entire 1986 World Series to me this weekend, so he's he's doing well. He, he's he's coping fine. Glad Papa Kaplan's okay. Drew, uh, any any other random thoughts you wanna you wanna get off your skin before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, it's I came in when when Greg reached out to me yesterday and was like, "Hey, you want to pop on the pod?" I remember there was something I thought of like, "Oh, I really want to rant about this." Now I can't remember it, so obviously it could not have been too. I got great news for you, Drew. Got nothing going on this summer. You ever want to come back on, stop by for that rant? You're invited. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll just say this. You know, uh, you know, thanks for having me on. And Ryan, I know. Um, I think I saw you tweet something like both your wife and your mom working. Uh, That's correct. And Greg, like I know your dad's a doctor, and so just you know, obviously props to them and props to everyone else. Healthcare, healthcare field right now. Um, obviously crazy time, but they're the ones that are going to do the work to try to pull us through this. Um, definitely not our idiot president. I don't care if I'm hey. going to uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it in. I don't care. Uh, that press conference last night was embarrassing. But anyway, um, ser serious props to everyone that's working in, in the medical field. Um, you know, All the credit to them, and they'll be the reason why we can pull out of this. Drew, thanks so much for stopping by and talking some uh, some hockey in the summer, or the offseason, rather. Not summer. The, the, the beginning of spring. Well, uh, Drew, before before we let you go, I guess yeah. the one thing I meant to ask that I forgot to ask until Ryan tried to shoot you off the podcast. Um, <laughs> Am I shooing him off, Drew? You can stay. I don't care. Do, do you think since obviously nobody's playing hockey anymore, do you think that this 
upcoming draft, if it happens, whenever it happens, wherever it happens, presents a unique opportunity for teams to scoop up European talent that is going to be criminally under under scouted at this point. Yeah, Greg, you're the best. That is exactly what I was one was hoping to talk about. Um, I am the best, Ryan. Yeah, Remember yeah. that, uh, Greg. Um, how yeah, could I forget, and, buddy? Yeah, this guy uh, Max that I chat with in this one prox- prospects chat. I think his Twitter handle is like TPE Hockey or something like that. He had tweeted out yesterday, you know, something to that effect, where um, you know because of the world tournaments and stuff being canceled. You know, some teams, they rely on the eye test so heavily and seeing these world tournaments um, that, you know, perhaps there'll be a lot of bargains there. Uh, you know, teams that scout heavily in Europe might have an advantage now. And I agree. I mean, you can see every year with the way some of the drafts go where there's always like if a kid has a great world junior, I mean, he could be meh his entire career, but then has a great world juniors and he's going to go, you know, a, a round higher just because it's, it's pretty obvious um, how much even some, you know, professional scouts overrate this stuff. Um, and yeah, it's in, I think for the Rangers in particular, they can take advantage of this because Nikolai uh, Bobrov is, um, you know, he is one of the best in the industry, in my opinion, in terms of, you know, European scouts. Um, he's Bobrov is the director of European scouting for the Rangers. Um, and I, I trust him immensely. And I think the Rangers are one of the teams very well positioned to take advantage of the fact that there might be some guys that will drop further than they should. Um, like Zion Nebak's a kid who, uh, Zion, Zion Nebak's a kid. Uh, he's a Swedish kid who, um, you know, I have him in like mid first round. A lot of the more traditional pundits think he's, you know, late first, early second round player. And um, hey, now that some of the viewings of these European prospects aren't going to be had, I guarantee you he'll probably be available in the second round. And a few things would make me happier than the Rangers scooping up a kid like that in the second round. Um, and then there's a lot of people joked last night to me was like, hey, isn't this the draft of the Rangers of like three or four seventh round picks? Like, hey, maybe they can do work with those. They can actually put those to work with uh, you know some of the European kids that will probably inevitably fall that have some talent could be had later in the draft. Uh, Drew, if if you could only keep one of the following members of the Rangers front office, would you keep Jeff Gordon? Would you keep Bob Rock? I'd keep Gorton just because his job's a lot more important and it's a lot more difficult, I think. Um, I mean, I love Bobroff, like I just said, but, um, you know, I think – I don't want to call Gorton underrated because there's some people who act like he's, like, the best GM ever, but then there's people who act like he's bad. And I think Gorton is comfortably a top 10 NHL GM, possibly top five, and that's quite valuable. Like, yeah, you know what, he makes some mistakes, but a um, few things drive me more crazy about – Twitter fans than how, you know, a guy makes a mistake and now he's quote bad. Like, no, like pull your head of your ass. Look at the way all the NHL, NHL GMs are even the best GMs, even Yeiserman, you know, does things like go out and sign Dan Girardi to a two year deal when no other team was going to give him more than one. Even the best GMs make mistakes or make head scratching moves. And I believe that lightning tried justifying the Girardi trade by being like, well, our analytics say he's good. I'm like, well, your analytics are shit. That was the case. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Come on the podcast, Dan. Hey, I love Dan Girardi, Same. but I think, but like, like every even eye testers were saying he was washed at the end there. Um, a- anyway, uh, the point is like every NHL GM makes mistakes, and when you stack up the mistakes Gorton made and to some of the others, like almost every move he's made, I with the exception of some in the very beginning, which I still can see there had his fingerprints all over. 
at least you can make like a strong case for made sense at the time. Sometimes it doesn't work out. And sometimes a lot of the times when they don't work out, it has nothing to do with him. It has to do with the coaching staff or the player development and stuff like that. Um, but by and large, I would say maybe three quarters of Gorton's moves, I think, are have been good. Uh, and that's a tremendous batting average for an NHL GM. Um, so, yeah, I would keep Gorton over Bobrov, despite how much I love Bobrov. It's, it's just it's going to be nuts thinking about this year's trade deadline in retrospect. Like the yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning trading a first round pick for a rental of Barclay Goudreau was already questionable. But now the fact that there might not even be a playoffs for that trade to be of any value is just nuts in hindsight. Well, and actually, it, I, think, I think Goudreau has another year, doesn't he? Oh, does he? Well, yeah, I know I, I know Coleman had another year. I didn't know if Goodrell had another year. I think Goodrell. So um, someone can tweet at me and yell at me and call me an idiot if, if it's, I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure both. That's is, not why they'll yell at you. <laughs> I, I think both of the guys uh, that they traded for with their firsts uh, have term. Well, luckily for us, I just happen to have Cap Friendly open. Yeah. So why don't we find out? Well, have you, have you heard you about the Greg is the best thing? This is why, well, maybe. Uh, they, they, they both are under contract next year. But but to your point, though, what Arizona trading for Taylor Hall. I mean, they might not – if the season just ends, Arizona's missing the playoffs, and Taylor Hall's a UFA at the end of this year. Or even if you want to feel bad for the player, like Tar- Taylor Hall is about to be a UFA finally because, you know, the NHL system is so screwed with how long teams have control over players for. And now the season he's a UFA, there might the salary cap might go backwards. Yeah, and there's also stuff like um uh like the, the draft pick the Hurricanes offered the New Jersey Devils for Sammy Sammy Vatnin 100% depended on how many games Vatnin actually played for the Hurricanes and it's zero still. Well, what they, it's still hockey. Yeah, and I know there were a couple of conditional picks as well tied to playoff performance. That's one of the more interesting things, I think, is how how is the NHL going to handle these conditional picks um, when it's all said and done? How yeah, just imagine how much shit we'd all be having about the Matt Zuccarello trade if it was dependent on this year's play. I would never <laughs> shut the hell up. I would just be screaming every single day. As opposed to the way you are now. Well, that's a good point. Bang, bang! bang. Wow, we bang. we delivered. We delivered. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. I promised people I'd make fun of you. I had to get in one. <laughs> you did. You said some nice things about the people, my loved ones, and then you got the jab and you needed. Uh, Ryan, you know I love you. I know I you love you too, buddy. I give you so much shit on Twitter because I know you can take it. I take it all, <laughs> baby. I got Greg Kaplan right here. I'm an expert. My job. <laughs> all right. Uh, with that said, Greg Silent. All right. We're going to let you go now. Uh, and by that, I'm going to shoot you off the podcast. Why don't you plug your Twitter and then uh, we'll go to the rest of the show. Yeah, cool. Again, thanks again for having me on. And my Twitter is at Drews underscore way, D-R-E-W-S underscore W-A-Y. You're the best, buddy. I'll see you soon. Well, no, I won't see you, but I will talk to you. Social media. Yes. All right. Stay safe. (laughs) Bye, Drew. And that was our interview with Drew. Love Drew so much. Appreciate him coming on. I'm sure some people will yell at him. Good job, Drew. And uh, we will be back later this week with the BSBOT. The Athletic is free right now for 90 days. I believe. I, I don't know the link. I, sh- I probably should be a better employee. But I, 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 would... I mean, I, there, you don't need a link. Just go to The Athletic. Everything's free and open. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so if you want to listen to our BSB OTs, you need a second episode with Greg and I every single week. You can get it for free for the next 90 days, theathletic.com. And uh, I'll be doing the uh, all-day stream for COVID-19 for New York City Food Banks all day Saturday. I'm sure Greggy will be streaming sometime soon again. I don't know if you will, but I'm sure you will, Gregory. 
And uh, we're always around. If you want to yell at us on Twitter, yell at Tony or Strom to come on the show if they haven't come on already by the time we recorded this. Uh, I'm at O'Ryan Mead, and Greg's at Blue Shirts Break. Gregory, anything I missed there? Uh, no. I think we're we're obviously we're not going to come on. We're, we're going to first of all, if you guys keep hitting us with five star questions, we will literally answer all of them until hockey returns. But I do think we're going to start taking some swings on some ideas. Like I think our BSBOT this week will be us talking about our favorite ranger games from this year i have uh, i could see us two serious nonsense episodes planned for coming up momcast also I, not 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 including Momcast. i do i think one podcast coming up because i haven't done it mm-hmm. and i don't think you've done it mm-hmm. uh i think we should go back and rewatch the entire 2014 stanley cup final you i haven't i haven't rewatched it you know i also haven't rewatched the 2015 world series uh i'm not going to but I think I could handle the 2014 Stanley Cup a little bit better. Why don't we do that as an OT series throughout the summer? We could do uh, we could do uh, two or three games each week. Something yeah, we could do that. All right. That sounds cool. All right. Uh, we'll be back next week or later in the week, like I said. And we'll talk to you then. Stay safe, everyone. Stay inside. Bye. Explore beyond the stratosphere in Museum of the Bible's compelling exhibition, Scripture and Science, Our Universe, Ourselves, Our Place, in Washington, D.C., open now through January 15th. Featuring artifacts from trailblazers in history like Isaac Newton, Nicholas Copernicus, and hidden figures like Dorothy Vaughn, this exhibit guides you through groundbreaking discoveries and thought-provoking questions. Come and see how Scripture and Science have shaped our world. Get your tickets today at museumofthebible.org.